we focus on relationships. We focus on making relationships with real estate agents and wholesalers, people that are out there every day trying to work with sellers to help them sell their homes. And if we want to be the first person they think about, if they come across a home that needs work. Everybody, welcome back to Cashflow, where we talk about turning properties into profits. I'm here today with president of We Revive, Brian Daly. Brian, good to see you, brother. Good to be here, man. Thanks. So just a little bit about Brian. Um, in addition to having, you know, 15, almost 15 years in the business, 15 plus years in the business, doing over 450 transactions at We Revive, I think I read on your website. Is that correct? Yep. yep. You drop every Tuesday this wonderful thing called The Real Report. Yep. And it's basically a full breakdown of the real estate market as you've analyzed. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Probably one of the coolest things I've seen, not to mention everybody in the San Diego market that I know has either subscribed or has at one time read the Tuesday Real Report. It's so funny. I, I mean, I feel like I, I'm literally a, a nerd there writing out my economic thoughts and that people find that interesting. I just I, I find it hilarious. I, I think it's great. I think some of your insight has been good. And more importantly, it just shows how many people aren't doing the research. They're looking to someone that they trust that's put out some quality data to base their own opinions off of, which is a good thing. Yeah. Well, it, it, the whole reason, that's the whole reason I started writing it because there was nothing out. And I, uh, I, I wanted to study, the, you know, we buy and fix up and, you know, we flip houses. So- <laughs> You know, we're, we're really susceptible to like short term changes in the market. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be on top of it. If I want to go do this at scale, I gotta like know what the hell I'm doing. So that's, I was starting reading like the, the Union Tribune. I mean, God, I, they do, they have a tough job, right? right. Uh, they don't do what we do every day. So it's, it, it's easy to judge them from this side of the seat, but it's awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's usually two to three months behind. Um, they're looking at old data right. and, and they're not, there's nothing useful there to help you figure out where it's going. Um, and, and so anyway, I, I, I just wrote it. I started writing it for my business and then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll publish it. Maybe people will find it interesting. And I've, I, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly humbled and honored that people wake up on Tuesday and, and, and read something that I, I write. I and just it's, find it it's so not like you've been doing it for a minute too. four years, five, four years, years now. Yeah. yeah. Four. Yeah. Maybe five actually. I, I think it's funny because look for those people out there, just Google like average home price and see what comes up. Um, there's so many different information. Yeah. And if you're not you, careful what you're reading, you may be actually looking at the median home price or you might look in, at the average from year over year. So getting data that you can rely on that's been vetted instead of just typing in something on Google and thinking that's going to be the end. Of uh, the that's the biggest problem with even still like I, the one I wrote this morning. It was I'm, I'm, I'm looking at SDAR like we rely on them for the data in in order for us to you know be smart about what's going on in the San Diego real estate market but their inventory numbers right now are way out of whack and I don't understand it they're saying there's 7200 homes on the market there's 3100 homes on the literally half of what they're saying and and if I didn't track that every month and then be able to start seeing well hey back in July this number started to get really wonky like what's going on um 
I don't know. Like if you're just looking at the data and you didn't know that, you would think oh, 7,200 ohms. I mean, if you look in the grand grand scheme, 10,000 that's that's right, kind of right, that's right. kind of a lot. But we're like we're literally half that, and right. and so you're going to make different decisions. That's the big thing because SDAR obviously real estate board probably pulling their data supposedly from directly from the MLS. And you're right. If you weren't tracking it on a regular basis to see these outliers to be able to call in the question, like how would you know? How would you and, and I and I call a question and they, and they don't know. <laughs> they, <laughs> they literally, they I, I, you call the help desk at SDAR. They might say, "Hmm, not sure where that came from." Right? <laughs> well, they say showing time is the one that provided them data. And I'm like, oh, "Okay, they well, pull the data no, okay. yeah." It's like, well, you should probably figure that out here soon because you're putting out some weird numbers. It, it would be good to make sure the data is accurate yeah. for uh, the real estate agents and those investing in San Diego. Let's just real quick. About you, t- take me through your careers. I know you got back, you got in the industry in 2005, but take me through 2005 to when you started Revive in 2019. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I knew I wanted to get in real estate. I was in college. Uh, so I was graduating in 2006, but uh, a buddy of mine was working at this like small mortgage shop and I, I got my license. And, and so I started, I, I joined him. I was doing admin work. You know, I started at the bottom, <laughs> started, uh, you know, Anyway, I did, I did it. I did it all. I went from marketing, uh, you know, business strategy with the, it was a small, small shop. So like we, I, I'd work with the, the owner often, um, did mortgage loan origination, real estate sales, you know, uh, I did it all. And then, uh, we, the crash happened in 2007. Uh, so I, I joined, I joined the dark side is what I like to say. <laughs> I started, I started working for the banks. Um, I had an opportunity to go be an asset manager for uh, JP Morgan Chase and uh, managed the sale of thousands of homes across multiple states. And to this day, you know, still uh, gave me the confidence uh, that, you know, I could handle anything that kind of came at me because, Jeez. you know, what, what, you know, what people find out in this industry is that something new happens on every transaction. And literally I've been, I've been, you know, probably 3000 total transactions under my belt somehow, some way now. And, and still like stuff new happens. I just bought a property that we're developing and I, I, I had no idea where, you know, that the, the title report was missing the road easement. And, and apparently this could have been a really big deal in the city development process. Luckily our, our surveyor caught it. And luckily it wasn't, it, you know, because he caught it, it, it might save us nice. uh, some time, some time that it wouldn't have, but still like, I mean, all these things, I learned something. Right. Um, now I know to pay better attention. It's like, uh, how many people pay attention to a title report? Yeah. Literally most realtors probably order it and then there you go, sign it that you got it and move on. They don't yeah. even look at it. They don't even know how to look at it. And even me, even though I know that it's important, I still, <laughs> I still like skip. Yeah. All I'm looking at is like, Hey, what are these exceptions that are going to still remain on the title report? Is there anything I care about? Right. And, and, and I, I should probably do better. So you did volume, multiple areas, yeah. being on the dark side. And then, you know, you're a flipper. How did you really get rolling on flips? Well, so the, the quick story is foreclosure industry that we were in as an asset manager, it started changing in 2010. If you, you, you might remember the, it was like the whole robo signing fiasco. And then the, the, the banks were getting a lot of flack for, you know, foreclosing, uh, and everybody, you know, everybody was in foreclosure. So, I mean, it, they, they, they got the, they got a bad rap. I mean, they were, they were not trying to be evil, but they got this rap of being evil. So they literally like had a moratorium on, on being able to foreclose. And we were, you know, that was our whole business. Like we were bonus based on, you know, how many properties we, we could sell. So, um, at that point I was like, well, I got, I got a lot of time on my hands. Let's, <laughs> let's, you know, I've always wanted to do this flipping thing. So let's use this time and, and go try to 
try to figure it out. It took me, you know, I'd love to say that we figured it out right away. Like I, I approached it wrong from the get go for like, so for like six months, I was like, uh, me and a, a buddy of mine uh, who ended up partnering with me on the, on the first business. We we're like, okay, we know what we're doing. We know how to make this work. Let's go raise money. And then we'll go be able to buy properties. Right. Peter had against the wall for six months. No raise one, money. you know, they're like, yeah, okay. You've got a lot of experience in, in real estate, but you haven't done this, yeah. you know, like, so, uh, you, you know, maybe we were talking to the wrong people. It's not like we had a lot of like a big Rolodex of people with massive amounts of money. So we, we beat our head against the wall for six months. Finally, we're like, you know what? Let's, let's start the wholesaling route, which is where a, a lot of people without the, the, the funds get started. Um, and so, yeah, we, we started doing that long story short. Uh, you know, I left, I left that, uh, industry and in, at the end of 2011 started the company, um, full time, uh, in 2012 and, and, Basically, we we went from wholesaling to flipping to starting a construction company to syndicating apartment buildings to, you know, eventually we we weren't necessarily building from the ground up. We were doing large capital improvement projects on on apartment uh, multifamily projects here nice. across the Southern California, and um, yeah, so it was it was it was a, a good ride. That was from 2012. Uh, left in 2017, and and your hiatus in 2017, you went to work for Darren Hardy. And for those people who don't know Darren Hardy, like had his first real estate company at 18, yep. author of the compound effect, go to his website and he'll sign you up for a million programs. Like <laughs> the man makes money. He's done a million things, very successful. And you were his director of ops. Yeah. yeah. How'd that come about? And, and how did that, how did that help you when you got back into 2019 to start? We were well, I'll admit, man, the, the, the transition out of that first company, I mean, five years, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and, and emotions all into that uh, business. Leaving it was the hardest thing I had to do. I've had to do up to that point in my life. And so I was like, I, I was, I was not mentally there. I was, I, you know, the only time in my life that I felt like I, I, I never got clinically diagnosed, but I was probably depressed. I was probably, really? yeah, I, I probably, I, I mean, I should have probably been on anxiety meds. The flipping was just like working with a partner, flipping, doing all that. You were just like, I've had enough. No, you know, it was the emotional journey from the, I loved, I, I love the business. I loved growing the business, but the, the partnership and the, the struggles with the partnership and the, the anxiety about the partnership just took all the joy out Got of it. it. Um, and and so when I left, I found myself like uh, what I realized, you know, uh, after the fact uh, or in while I was going through it, too much of my identity was connected to the business. Right. right? Um, gotcha. So I, I, I found, you know, in my the only thing that got me really through is my my relationship with Jesus and, and, and my 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 faith, because I, I I realized like, holy shit, like my my identity is tied into this this thing that can go away like that. And, and right. all of my self-worth is like, you know, tied to this thing. And I'm like, this is not, this is not the it's right not way right. to do it. And business owners got to know this. Entrepreneurs got to know this too. You are not your job. Yeah. You are not your job, but we get so wrapped up in it because we put so much time, energy, and effort, our blood, sweat, and tears. We feel like that. And we yeah. start to get honorary and we start to take it home with us and it sucks. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that you were able to step out and find something else. Uh, something else for a little bit and before you came back. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was exactly what I needed. Um, there's this 
book called Life Launch. It's got a it's got a Christian ethos to it, but it it talks about like sometimes in life you you go through this stage of uh, that you need to cocoon, you need to get out of what you were doing, right. and you need to you need to be okay, not necessarily striving for the next thing. You need to uh, you put yourself in in a different uh, situation, reflect and 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 wait until you're ready right. to go uh, to go strive again. Right. Uh, and, and I really, you know, and it's easy to say that in, um, you know, looking back at it, but I really needed that time. So there was like a three month period where I wasn't, I, I wasn't working. Um, and I, I was still trying to figure out what I was, what I wanted to do. I, like, everybody's like, ah, oh, go start, start, go, go do what you were doing again. Um, and financially and logically it made a ton of sense, but emotionally I just didn't have it in me. I just didn't want to do I didn't want to do it again at that point. Did you have mentors or guys to help you along this journey? Uh, you know, what did you lean on in addition to your faith? I, I mean, I, sure. I, t I, I had some buddies that I was, I, I was talking to uh, often. Um, but really, I mean, I, you know, the, the finding the opportunity to go work with Darren Hardy had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, he, he, it, it, I, it's not like he was sitting there giving me, uh, giving me mental advice when, when I was working there. But his his focus and and seeing him operate helped me start to realize who who I wanted to be, who I was, right. and and where where I could go with it. Um, that crazy the effect of being close to an A player, yeah. grinding it out with them, watching how good they can be as leaders, how it rubs off, how it helps. Uh, I'm starting. Yeah, reading, you know, and. and Reading about it was one thing. Like I've, I've been pers personal, professional development, you know, since 2012. I, uh, well, since 2005, really, I've right. been really leaning into it. But it's one thing to read about it. And I was, was talking to you about this, right? You, it, like watching Michael Jordan play basketball yeah. is a lot different than playing basketball with Michael Jordan. Right. And 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 so the experience of being able to play my sport, which is, is uh, like what I found out is like, I love real estate, but I love building businesses more. I love building teams and brands and, 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 you know, the journey of that more than the actual real estate. Real estate is, is the widget. Like the, right. the, the, the business is, is where I, I get mentally engaged. So, so let's talk about then when you started, we revive, you know, what is, how'd you choose that niche? What is your core business over there? Flipping houses. So flipping what, houses. What I mean, I, 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 I hate the connotation that flipping has because, <laughs> but I mean, in, in the, in, in the simplest way, uh, yeah, our main thing is, is, you know, uh, you know, breathing life back into, into homes that need it. Hence we revive. Exactly. And you're not just doing one or two. No. You're, you're uh, volume. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we were doing, we were, we did a hundred in 2021. We were on pace for, for 150 in, in 22, but kind of saw the writing on the wall, which is nice. why I write real report. Uh, so we, we pulled back heavily in, in 22. So we, we bought about 60, 65. We'll do about the same this year. Um, hoping next year we'll, we'll be able to increase volume to about a hundred. Um, I like the hundred number. hundred <laughs> number is good. Around the, um, well, let's talk about, let's talk about a deal. Like, I want to get into the weeds. I want to show our audience kind of like what makes a good deal and um, kind of how that parses out. So well, let's start with, give me the type of deal that, that you've done recently that we can, we can go from. Walk me through one. 
Yeah. So, uh, is it flip hotel? Like, what are we talking about? Where are we talking? Flip. We, you know, our specialty tends to be larger. We're not doing like, like not like uh, development projects, but larger remodels, like full scope gut jobs and and kind of re envisioning layouts and re envisioning the 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 style and flavor of of the home. So we're going above just paint and carpet, exactly. lipstick. We're we're doing more than that. Yeah. Okay. So that's you know that's the the one that I, I have a, an example of one of those that we just did recently. It's it's in escrow to sell right now. Let's let's talk about it. So flip. Um, it's more than lipstick. Escondido, is that correct? Escondido, yeah. Got it. So, how'd you source a deal? How'd you find it? So this was through this was through a wholesaler. Um, he he I don't, I, he. It was listed on the MLS. I don't know if he had a relationship with the agent or if he just sourced it on the MLS. I'm I'm not quite sure on on how he got it. Most of our properties come through relationships with real estate agents or, or wholesalers that we've been working with for a while. Um, so I, I think that's how his business works as well. Um. So yeah, he brought it to us. It had a contingency period. Uh, it was a it was a quick close. So he it, he didn't really shop it out to anybody because he knew he had to he had a short time frame to figure it out. Um, and and we got in there. Uh, it looked good on paper based on the numbers that we we had available to us, but we hadn't seen it yet. Um, and so we we soft committed, which basically is like, hey, you got contingencies. We need that contingency. We can't. We haven't been able to see the house yet. Right. So um, we're in, but let us let us go verify the budget. And, um, and, and what is your normal like pass go? Uh, I won't touch it if it's this or I need to have it be this for us to move on a deal. So we buy a large spectrum, you know, where it's, it's all over the board. I, I look at properties based on a, an annualized rate of return, assuming that I'm going to buy the property all cash. Like what is my rate right. of return? Um, if, you know, I, there's some hard nose, like right now we're not, if for flips, I'm not taking on jobs that like absolutely require permits because it's just uh, it's too much time, effort, headache uh, to get the same result. Got it. Um, I won't do meth houses primarily because the same thing. Like right. you gotta you gotta go through a, a big long list of remediation, remediation, um, right? Uh, fire like heavy fires are tough too for the same reason. You gotta you gotta get engineers involved. You gotta you gotta get uh, the fire department involved, and it can be. A, a long and grueling process, which is fine, but to get the return, it's just we we found that like you know we look at it as a as a time weighted return on our our money, and so um, to get the return, it takes so much longer of time, and and so you know usually it's like hey, we've got enough opportunities, we just can't handle this. And on an annualized return, time is one of your biggest factors. Yeah. So anything that, especially a variable item like waiting on the city or waiting on. You're, you're, you're steering clear of that. That's, I think that's great advice. So your underwriting guidelines, you go out there and you basically underwrite a deal based on a budget or talk, talk to me about this one. How'd you guys go about it? So, yeah, we, we had a rough number from, from the wholesaler that brought it to us. Um, and, and we went out there and we're like, ah, that is not, <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> this was, you know, it was, uh, it was on paper, like he was saying, it needs work, but it, it's, it, it, you know, we think the budget's going to be like, I, I think he was like 125 or, or 130. And we, and we got in there like, no, nah, this is yeah. 200,000. We needed to, to, to do some work in order to make the price work. Um, and, you know, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. In this case, it did. We, so we have an in-house construction company and this is what we do. So we can put together really, really detailed budgets that are very accurate within, you know, an hour or two of seeing a home. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can walk a property, 
You can put together a detailed budget in an hour or two. Something yeah. that I, I hear all the time, oh, I'm waiting for my contractor to give me the numbers. Like you can do it in an hour or two. Yep. That obviously makes you extremely efficient and expedient on going through properties. It helps. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you know, one of the things that we've realized in, in, in our niche, in our specialty, like the thing that makes the difference for the, our partners that we're working with is speed. You know, they, right. they just need to know if it's a yes or a no, they just need to know. And they need right. to know confidently that if we're, if we're going to say, yeah, we're going to buy that house, that right. we're going to buy the house. So we've, really, really worked on this this year, especially. It's like, okay, if our, if our specialty is actually buying the property, fixing it up and selling it, there's a lot of ways to make money in real estate. And what I realized, even in this niche of investment real estate, there's a, there's a, there's some, one of our biggest competitors that, I mean, they've gotten their niche to where they're, they're buying it and they don't have to fix it up. They've figured out this whole massive, like uh, disposition process that allows them to, to buy it and wholesale or buy it and then sell it immediately to an end user without touching it. Without and they've, touching. they've gotten really good at it. And like, man, that's more power to you. I wish I could figure that out. <laughs> uh, but for, for us, the, the, our specialty is okay. Buying it, fixing it up, selling it. And, and uh, the speed in which we can make those decisions confidently is, is a big deal for our partners. That's, a, that's amazing. So you, did the budget on this deal very quickly and then you you went back and you were able to get uh, some relief on the price based on this? Yeah, so we put we put a uh we did our budget and then we we have uh since we're a contractor we gave them the budget. We just said, "Hey, this is the number. This is what it's going to cost to fix up." We there's it is what it is. Like yeah. this is the number like we thought it was going to be less. You thought it was going to be less. So this is really the number and because of that we need the price here. If that doesn't work for you, fine. But that's yeah. that's that's what it is. So we gave them the you know all of our photos and and the bid, and and just left the decision up to them. And they they decided like oh, okay yeah this is this house is a beater we gotta uh, we'll, we'll take it. And so walk me through you got the deal how it kind of the time frame it took and and how you wrapped it up and now you're in escrow. Right? Yeah. So so our original budget was one ninety five. Uh, we have a a un. Again, we have a lot of data. We track a lot of data based on all the properties we've done. So we have, uh, I have a, a metric that I've been tracking for a few years. Of like, okay, if 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 my budget's one ninety five, how long is it going to take me to do the rehab? One of the challenges of uh, of especially in when we're using time so heavily in analyzing properties is like we got to be damn sure that right. we are leaving enough time to do what we got to do, and that we're as close as possible to reality. Like, I don't want to be too conservative. I don't want to be too aggressive. So we came up with this metric of like looking at all of our past projects, how quickly can we spend money? Which I know seems weird, but, (laughs) but like, you know, it's one of, it's, it's a way to kind of remove a lot of the noise of when you're looking at budgets and trying to figure out how long it's going to take. When you break it down by day, it's relatively consistent across the board. Um, and so the the more efficient we're able to run projects, the quicker we're able to spend money and the quicker we can get in and out of so property. You, you basically created a renovation efficiency model that says, with all these inputs, I'm going to spend X amount of dollars a day. So if I forecast that I have this budget and I'm going to get it done in this amount of time, this is how much it should cost me. Yeah, or the other way around. If I budget it, it's going to cost me this then it should take me this many, this days. many days. So we have it down, like our analyzer has it down to the day. So this project, 
was 195,000 and that equals 103 days in construction. How do you manage to hit those targets? Well, sometimes we don't. <laughs> um, fair enough. Fair, yeah, so, fair enough. So the, the, you know, the rule of thumb is like, man, it's a consist, it's across the board of the whole portfolio. We're, our, our goal is always to drive it down. Um, but in, in this case, actually, you know, we didn't, we, we were 18 days over, over really? time, probably because we were $30,000 over budget, which, you know, <laughs> okay. kind of works out to probably about 18 days. What, what creates that kind of challenge? Like, how does that happen when you miss a target? What, what's the reason? This one, there's a million different reasons that could happen. Just like, you know, in real estate transactions, there's always something. This one in particular was our own internal management errors. And um, those errors look like they're anything from what, like not anticipation? Or... Yeah, not not anticipate not anticipating problems before they arise. Maybe not not even that. Not even recognizing that there is a problem. Right. There was a there was a heavy miss on ordering material in time, so we had to wait. I think like three or four weeks for just one door oh, to to arrive before we were done. Is that usually the myth? The myth is, is it usually internal or external? Like, hey, you didn't see something all of a sudden, that's a problem. Or is it more self-driven where the myth is coming? Almost always. I mean, I have a big belief in just extreme ownership. Like, you know, okay, something happened, but what, what did you do that, you know, a couple of questions you should ask yourself, right? What did I, what did I do that caused this? Right. What did I not do that had I done, I would have prevented it. Um, and, and so, I, I mean, I, I try, there's, there's very few things that are, uh, that you can actually point to and say, literally, we could have done nothing. <laughs> um, and, and in this case, you know, what, what we realized in, in the midst of this project was there was a consistent variable across a few projects that we had problems with, Got which it. is one of our project managers. And, and unfortunately, he, he's done our project manager anymore. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. But overall, still making money. What was that target number annualized rate of return that you were focused on trying to get across the board? This pro so our, our like bare minimum is 32% uh, cash on cash annualized rate of return. Right. Um, so uh, this this project was a heavier build. So if we're if if it's a if it's a larger project, more more risk or or you know more capital or whatever you know and, and uh yeah for for whatever reason like this is a two hundred thousand dollar job our our average is about one hundred twenty so it's it. kind of up there so we were targeting about thirty five percent on this one do you, do you want to talk about do you want to say where you came in at yeah sure yeah we we so our ARV on this project was one one nine five and we're in escrow to sell at one two four five so at the end of the day we are hitting our performa. Um, basically right. Was that 17% on a half year, four or five month? Old? Pretty much. Yeah. We, we, we were 18 days over on construction. We pretty much nailed our, our disposition time frame. Um, but, uh, we kind of made up for that cause we, we were selling it for about $50,000 over, uh, than what we thought we spent $30,000 more on construction. Uh, and that's, you know, again, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm, it's not a perfect science, you know. There's a million different decisions that we make during construction that can affect what we're selling it for, right. uh, to the positive or to the negative, you know. So, let, let me close with those two things because you talked to me about them before. The biggest learning lessons in this, you'd mentioned something about, um, you know, sourcing a deal and construction. Talk to me about those biggest learning lessons in doing flips. It's cliche, but you know, you, you make your money when you buy. You know, the decision you make when you're buying the property ultimately sets your, your destiny. You know, like, um, 
if you're making the wrong decision, you, no matter how good you are at construction, no matter how, to, <laughs> how, how, how smart you are at marketing properties to, to sell, um, if, if you make the wrong decision on the buy, then you're not going to make money. Um, so ultimately, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time, energy, uh, and, and attention in our processes of like, okay, how, how can we make sure that we're making the right decisions here when we're, right. we're buying, hence writing freaking real report. I mean, it, it's right. a, it's a big endeavor, but it, it, it helps me make projections so I can bake those into my buying formula so I can hopefully make better decisions. Um, do you think that, and, and do you think that there are a couple key factors that go to making that buying decision? Um, I think you've talked to me about like construction, but sales ability, like what's those key factors in that making a good buy? So many different ways to skin a cat in this, in this business for, for us. I mean, we focus on relationships. We focus on making relationships with real estate agents and, and wholesalers, people that are out there every day working, trying to work with sellers to, to help them sell their homes. And if, you know, we want to be the first person they think about if they, if they come across a home that needs work, you know, we're not, our specialty isn't, you know, isn't the wholesale model like that. And, and as much as I love those projects when they come up, I mean, that, uh, you know, most of the time, the people that really need a buyer like us, the properties need, need a lot of work or they, there's a lot of untapped potential. Maybe they don't need a, a ton, ton of work, but there's something unrealized about the home. Um, anyway, you asked about the, the buying. So the, the relationships for us, but there's like, there's a lot of people out there that are, they they're heavy on marketing and sales direct to the homeowner. Right. Um, and that, that's a, 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 a whole nother skill set, a whole nother right. business model that is incredibly fruitful and, um, you know, invaluable to the homeowner. Um, it's just not what we've been great at. But there, there's still though, when you find that good buy, uh, you know, how do you know when you sell, it's going to be a decent sale? Like, how do you pick that out? So whatever, whatever we're looking at a property, we're, we're trying to identify, okay, what are buyers in this particular area looking for? You know, what I want to, I want to have a house that when I'm going to sell it, that I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be attractive to as many buyers as, right. as humanly possible. The Makes more, sense. the more unique, the more, as, as much as some of our unique properties have, have been fun. Like the more unique it is, the the sometimes the harder it is to sell. And so, um, what we try to do when we're when we're buying a property is is avoid the the things that usually turn people off. So we try to avoid busy roads. You know, we try to avoid. You know, lately, you know what? I, especially last year, what we noticed is uh, when they don't have a garage, you you eliminate gotcha. a lot of buyers. When you have when you have small yards, post size stamp lot. Yeah, I guess. yeah. The the things that we really look for and then we really lean into and get more aggressive on in the buying, if it's got views, if it's got oh, big yeah. lots, nice. if it's if it's flat, you know, if it if there's potential, you know, which I feel like everybody markets the property like this. But if there's a real easy potential for adding an ADU in right. the future, you know, there's there's always that to to kind of lean in on. And people people are, are attracted to that right now. So. We try to find those homes that will that check the boxes for the things that we can't fix. And then when we're going in construction, we actually have process now. We have a guy on our team dedicated to this. Our goal in selling homes is to get people to walk into the home and say, wow. Like right. if we can do that, then we've got them emotionally. And if we got them emotionally, then we're going to be able to sell this 
at a, at a top dollar. So we actually have a guy on our team full time. All he does, other than you know, he does some of our like requests for repair repairs, but he his main job is to go around to these properties with with uh, our our designer slash uh, asset manager assistant, and they come up with ways to make something about the home stand out. Wow. Right. The so wow guy. The wow, the the wow, wow guy. guy seriously. The it's called the, you know, we call, we call them wows. wows. Like we, <laughs> we, we want them, you know, I used to call it like a uh, sizzle factor. Like what, what can you do with the property? So when someone right. walks in, they're like, it doesn't feel like a flip and it, and it feels like something special. It could be as silly as. Makes sense. You know, like your fancy decorations on the wall here where you're, you're adding some form of flavor that ties into the 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 essence that you want to create with the 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 theme of the home and right. and um something that they like oh man that's that's rat I, I love that finding a winning deal putting a wow factor and then we're playing defense on construction so we don't lose money that sounds like a winning way to put together a flip let's close this out give me one piece of advice for your young real estate entrepreneur wants to get in the business. You've worn a couple hats. What do you what are you telling them? When you're young, try everything with the purpose of finding what you love and then stick to it. Be intentional. Stick to it. It's boring after time. And I get it. <laughs> I mean, I, I I battle this personally and I have to remind myself of this often. But yeah, just you know, I've been doing flips since 2011. Um and we're really good at it because I've been doing it for a very, very long time. Right. Um, and it's not sexy anymore. It's not ex as exciting as it used to be. But we've gotten good enough that I can create a business around it that creates cash flow that I can then go invest. And if I didn't, if if I, uh, you know, what I see often is, especially in, in the TikTok and Instagram inspired world, right? We, <laughs> the TikTok world. There's a there's always a new Shiny great up. idea there out there. And so, you know, you switch from, you switch from flips to Airbnbs to right. out of state rentals to, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and then you don't, you don't really master anything. And, and then, um, not to say you can't find success in it, but I just, right. I, I don't think you're going to be as successful or it's going to be a lot harder. Brian, that's a, a fabulous takeaway because you should try a lot of things, but you're right. Once you find what you're passionate about, you should stick to it. You should become an expert in it. You should have your niche and grow from there. And based on that, then you can spend your outside investment time, you know, maybe chasing that shiny object, but you're staying focused on your core, your core. Yeah. I mean, I mean, most everybody in the entire world, you know, th that, that has become successful in the eyes of, uh, you know, what, what we look at today on, on Instagram. Enough to feed their family right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of them, um, you know, even if they've, even if they have like Grant Cardone, you mentioned, right. He's got a million business ventures now, but. You, you go back to it and he, he built it on a foundation yeah. of, of one thing and then he expanded it from there. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. And I think that's it. This is so much good value for our listener who wants to get into flips, wants to know how to structure a de uh, deal, wants some basics on how to progress through that deal. And I think the biggest takeaway, Brian, which I, I had no idea is that you're going to win out the gate on finding the right home, but you're going to save that profit by doing your construction right. Yeah. And so I appreciate you sitting down with us, giving us this insight and um, taking us through your world. Absolutely. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, everybody else out there. Thanks so much for turning into Castflow where we talk about turning properties into profits. Brian Daly, everybody needs to go on Tuesday and subscribe to The Real Report. Thanks for being here. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.